What are we doing to it today? Hunter I Hiroshi and Terry Hiroshi and Citizenvania. Okay. Make sure I actually have them. Because <laughs> well, if not, that's what we're so, gonna do. <laughs> yeah. Remember how we were joking earlier about not, not watching notes? this show. Welcome back to Wayward Fans, a supernatural podcast. I'm Shannon. I'm Leanna. I feel like it's been a really long time. <laughs> but it really hasn't. <laughs> it's been a little bit. I was sick, if you right. guys didn't see our update. Um, <clears throat> but I had the flu for like two weeks. And yeah. I just finally got over it. Poor Shannon. Four days ago, so. Yeah. We haven't been recording a whole lot. But I'm really glad that you're feeling better. Thank you, me too. That was terrible. I can see why so many people are dying from this flu. Ugh. It's been bad. Anyway, so today <laughs> we're going to be talking about Hunter I. Hiroshi. 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 <coughs> Excuse me. And Citizen Fang. It's the eighth and ninth episodes of season eight. So in Hunter I, it's directed by Paul Edwards and written by Andrew Dabb. So we start with a man sitting in a park at a bench and he's looking around a little nervous and then we see him like playing with his wedding ring and you're like, oh, I know where this is going. (laughs) He's approached by a lady. We find out he's Gary and she's Olivia and they're saying that they weren't going to do it, but they did anyways and they're both really glad that they did. And you hear a heartbeat um, and she can also hear it and he's like, you can hear that? Then he starts clutching at his chest And acting like it hurts really bad. And he opens his shirt. I'm not sure why, but he does. And you can see an actual heart, like, beating in his chest. And it's not like a human heart. It's like the heart that people draw for Valentine's Day. Um, Pushing up through the skin and beating. And the beating noise is getting louder. Then we cut to Olivia. And she's, like, yelling, Gary, what's going on? And then all we hear is one last scream from Gary. And she is splattered with blood and guts. And just tons of, <coughs> tons of it. Like, she's just soaked in it. Right. And she's screaming a bunch. And then we cut to the title card. Um, so Sam is on the phone with Linda when Dean walks up and tells her uh, Dean is there and really wants to talk to her. <laughs> which he clearly doesn't. He gets annoyed, but as soon as he says hello to her, he hangs up the phone and tosses it back to <laughs> Sam saying, Tunnel. He wants to know what's going on in Tranlan. Sam tells him that Garth has got them on his houseboat. <laughs> of course <laughs> Garth owns a houseboat, was my note. He, wrote, he owns a safe houseboat. <laughs> yes. Um, Kevin is having trouble reading his half of the tablet. Dean asks, what's the word, Cass? Cass says, it's a shorthand version of my name. <laughs> so, sorry. It's okay. This is where I'm going to, like, we were just reading a little forum about people's favorite characters and whatnot in the show, and one of the comments was that Cass was really great when he started, but that he's gotten a little stale, and I actually kind of agree with that. Right. Um, Because that line is stupid. Um, And it's just, like, Cass is not that literal. Like, he, he, he struggles a little bit with, like, human nuances, but... It's not like that. Like, it is not that bad at all. It has never been that bad. Like, they're latching on to something and, like, 
really going with it. Right. Because they've been doing this the last few episodes of the yeah. And it's it's just like, come on, you guys. Like, you, you can do better than this. Um, but it did make me think of um, the episode in um, season... Hold on. I have it here. Season five. Episode number ten when... Uh, abandon all hope when... The two ladies die, whose names I cannot remember right now, and I feel like an asshole. Um, Joe and her mom. Oh, Joe and Alan? Yes. And so, because they drive up to the town wherever Lucifer is, and um, Cass is in the car with him, remember, because he can't fly anymore, because right, right. he can't use his wings. And so he's sitting in the back seat, and Joe turns around <laughs> and looks at him through the window, and she's like, ever heard of a door handle? And by the time she's done, he's already zapped out behind her. And he says, of course I have. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, that is more believable. Yes. And that was hilarious. That was really um, good. But, and that's, like, the kind of cast humor that I really like. And I think they've really gone astray from that. And it's a shame because they're really missing the point. Yes. Sorry. There's my rant. It's fine. He's your favorite character. <laughs> You're, you're going to be passionate about it. <laughs> So we find out that Cass has turned off uh, Angel Radio. Um, Sam is surprised that he can even do that, and Cass explains it's just a matter of turning off certain frequencies. He can now draw them a diagram if they want. Dean says they're good and wants to know why he turned it off. Cass says it's a direct line to heaven, and he doesn't want anything to do with that place. Dean asks if he plans to open a charming B&B in Vermont. He says, no, I still want, I still need to help people, so I'm going to become a hunter. <laughs> and you can actually see him smile that when he says cute, that. Or oh my, my note is that fucking cute little smile. It is. It's so cute. It's like, I'm going to become a hunter. Adorable. <laughs> the guys are like, oh, really? Cass is excited to be their third wheel. <laughs> Dean tells him that's not a good thing. Of course it is. A third wheel adds extra grip and greater stability. <laughs> He even found them a case. Dude's heart exploded out of his chest, and it's their th- kind of thing, right? I love the way he says it, too. Sounds like our kind of thing. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it does, Cass. See, that's cute. And then uh, Sam says he has a point. So Cass walks off saying he'll meet them there. <laughs> Dean's like, wait, Cass, Cass. If you want to play cowboys and bloodsuckers, that's fine. But you're going to stick with us, okay? And it is zapping around crap. Capiche? Yeah, I capiche. All right, then. <laughs> Can I at least ride in the front seat? No. <laughs> like, see him seriously, like, pushes him out of the way. Oh, God. <clears throat> Do you need a cough drop? Mm-mm. Okay. Detective is telling them... Uh, so, they get to the location uh, of what we saw in the beginning. And the detective is telling them that the heart was ejected from the body found in the sandbox. She had, or Sam asks if she has any idea what happened. A lot of people are thinking drugs. An ass load of drugs. <laughs> Cass tells Dean that there are no drugs in the man's system. The molecules are all wrong. As he's like smelling the body or whatever. <laughs> Sam draws the detective's attention away from Cass, asking if she doesn't believe it's drugs. She pulls back the sheet, saying she's never seen drugs do that. And we see a heart-shaped hole in the man's chest. And... Like Leanna said, it's an actual, like a drawing of a heart, not the actual human heart. The the detective tells them that Olivia Coppola called it in. She saw the whole thing. 
As the detective's leaving to take a call, the the dean. Dean. The dean. Gives her his card saying she sees anything weird to call that him. And she says, whatever you say, Scully. Yay, that's <laughs> all Cass tells him that he can't sense any EMF or sulfur in Mr. Freilings, which I, is uh, Gary. Gary? Is yes. His name? Gary's yes. last name. I don't know why or why I put his last name. I just didn't. Well, I think that's just because it's like Cass says. Yeah. Uh, no sulfur in Mr. Freilings' arterial health is uh, excellent. He smells the victim, saying he recently suffered from a bladder infection. Dean tells, Dean tells Cass to stop smelling the dead guy. <laughs> Cass wants to know why, since now he knows everything about this man. Sam wants to know if he knew the man was having an affair. Cass did not. Sam tells him that he met with Olivia every Tuesday at the park at 1245. They'd walk to the Moonlight Diner where she would order a Caesar salad dressing on the side. They would chat about everything and she'd be back on the road by 1.30. Cass assumes they think she's lying. They tell him she is because there's too much detail. It's too rehearsed. Plus, they drove past the Moonlight Diner on the way in, and it's attached to the Moonlight Hotel. I really like that whole part because it's really just the boys going back and forth. Like, Sam says this, Dean says that. Like, just kind of building the theory together. Right. And we don't really... It's like, yay! Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh my god, they're hunting! (laughs) So that was really exciting. I love it when they do that. Me too. Gary was on the prowl and didn't want to get caught parking in front of the pay-by-the-hour motel because he was married, so he parked at the park and met Olivia there. Wife must have found out and broke her heart, so she broke his. Guys are thinking a witch. They say it sounds kind of witchy. Yeah. Instead of kind of witchy. Get it? (laughs) (laughs) Dean tells Cass good job on the bladder infection, though. Then Sam has an Amelia flashback as Cass uh, Cass and Dean walk off. Excuse me. We see Sam unpacking. He finds Amelia's wedding album, but before he can open it, Amelia walks in freaking out about someone not being there yet. He tells her to breathe and that they're not moving too fast, only making up for lost time. Someone knocks. Amelia tells Sam not to talk about politics, say anything bad about the cowboys, or say the words moist or irregardless. Irregardless <laughs> is not a word, correct? That's right. <laughs> I can understand that one. Moist, that one I don't get. <laughs> so many people hate that word. Really? Yeah. Moist? You never, like, witnessed or no. heard about that? I mean, if I have, it never really registered. Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah. Huh. It's a pretty big thing. Really? Yeah. I'm going to have to read about that. I worked Why? with this girl, Casey. They just think it's a gross word. Moist. And I think it became, like... Probably somebody made it popular, so it became like a thing. It became viral, but before viral was a viral thing. Right. But I worked with this girl, Casey, who if you said moist, she would like shudder and freak out. (laughs) Really? I think she was doing it more for like attention than Right, like for show, yeah. And, you know, so anytime somebody would, you know, people would make sure to say it more around that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Does it bother you? Sorry, anybody who does not like the word I say moist all the time because I love a good moist chocolate cake. Right. <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, I, I wouldn't even remember the last time I said moist, but I know I've never, like, made it a point to not say moist. Now I'm going to say it a bunch, though. Especially at work. <laughs> I even see memes all the time where it's like, or not memes, but like a gif where someone's, like, saying moist and it says, like, it'll put it in bold letters on the bottom. 
while the person's saying it in like slow motion, like moist. Really? And it's like, and people are like, oh my god, wow! It's just I can't believe word. I'm not, like totally unaware of this. <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. Huh. Tell her it's a thing, you guys. Don't make me like out to be some <laughs> freak over here. Shannon's crazy. But yeah, no, it's a thing. All right. Uh, and so Sam, of course, says, well, there goes my opener. <laughs> so it's Amelia's dad. Uh, dad asks who the handsome fella is, talking about the dog. Yes. Uh, Sam. Amelia tells her dad that the dog belongs to Sam. Stan Thompson. Meet Sam Winchester. The dad is being a total dick to Sam. Yeah. And I wrote, now I see where Amelia gets it. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, back with the guys. Gary's wife So, is, I'm sorry. sorry. One thing I think is really weird that the dad says, uh, he says that Sam looks like a fixer-upper. Oh, and then, like, yeah. Sam Winchester looks like a fixer-upper. <laughs> no. No, he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> he is like, oh, I just had a word and I can't remember it. But, yeah. Moist. He's like, yeah. <laughs> he is moist and gorgeous. Um, what is the word where you say somebody's like a sculpture? A Michelangelo type thing. That's Sam Winchester. He is not a fixer-upper. I don't care how much you don't like him. <laughs> you cannot say that. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm sure he's probably talking more emotional. Like, this guy's got a lot of baggage. Like, within the first two minutes of yeah, meeting him? Yeah, because this guy's being a judgmental asshole. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I just think it's a little ridiculous. He definitely does not need any physical fixing up. No. Holy shit. Not at all. <laughs> I accidentally touched his chest, and holy shit. <laughs> I was literally just looking at our pictures, like, two or three days ago, mm-hmm. and I got all, like, super giddy because Dean, or <laughs> Dean, Jensen Ackles is, like, literally wrapped around me. I know. And I'm just like, oh my god, yes, that happened! <laughs> I have that one as my wallpaper on my desktop at work. Like, that is how much I love that picture. It's so good. I always look at it. Yeah, I just... The other day, I don't know why, I was like, I need to go look at those pictures again. And I looked at all of them, and I, that, when I got to the, our group photo, I was just like, oh, yeah. It was such a good photo. Like, it turned out so good. Oh, God, that was a year ago. God. It was the first weekend of February, right? You're right. Dang. Wow. God, why does time so, go so fast for us, Shannon? I don't know. Anyway. Sorry, guys. Way off track. Sorry. Um, so Gary's wife is confused why the FBI would be interested in her husband's death. Dean tells her that parks are government property. Which is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Cass whispered to Dean that he's got this. He's done his research and he can crack her. As Columbo, Cass approaches her. <laughs> now, Mrs. Frailing, I don't want to bother you. I really don't. <laughs> But I do have just one question for you. And he slams his hands down on the table. Why did you kill your husband? Uh, I really love that he did a Columbo impression. Right. Does Columbo do the shout like that? He doesn't do that, does he? Yeah, I thought so. No, he does the whole, I just have like one more. Because that was one thing, because I used to watch Columbo with my dad, but I was pretty little, so I don't remember all of it. But that was one thing that we would always... It's been a really long time since I've seen it. But we would always laugh about that, that he would be leaving and then he'd stop and be like, oh wait, I have one more question (laughs) for you. And it was always like the question, you know? That solves the case. Yeah, I got that part of it, but I wasn't sure if... um, he did the shouting. I couldn't remember that. 
I'd have to watch. It's been way too long. So, anyway, Dean calls him off, obviously. Cass is like, <laughs> what? I was being bad cop. And Dean says, you were being bad everything. Dean tells Cass to watch Sam. Sam asks Deb if her husband could have been hiding anything. At this point, Olivia shows up to comfort Deb. <laughs> Dean realizes it's the, mis- the mistress. Cass thinks this is awkward. Deb wants to know why he thinks Gary could have been hiding. Wants to know what Gary could have been hiding. Cass points to Olivia and says, he was sleeping with her. (laughs) (coughs) That was funny. That was good. (laughs) Deb says she knows. They had um, an arrangement. She was spending time with the neighbor PJ. The look on Cass's face when she is saying that. He is like so confused. Like, what? (laughs) I love it. Friggin' suburbs, man. Cass, so she's not a witch? No, just the best wife ever. And what killed her husband? Who, Who gives, gives a, a sh- hop? <laughs> and then we hear a hop. So, um, first off, I want to say it was in this scene that I noticed that Misha was having a bad Cass voice episode. Ah. It's like way too gravelly yeah. in this episode. It's pretty bad. Because Cass is actually kind of soft-spoken, you know what I mean? Like, he does right. have that kind of, like coarse voice but he's not loud and he's being a little loud in this episode so right. i think he's trying to be boisterous and match the guys right it's just not that it's just not working um i absolutely love that cut though yeah, <laughs> <With> <laughs> then who killed her husband Dean? who gives it and then they just cut honk. immediately and you hear a car honking yeah that is just beautiful so we see a guy standing on the top of a building uh, assuming he's contemplating suicide. <clears throat> he steps over the ledge, but it's delayed for a bit. He's just standing in, you know, on thin air. Looking like around. Him. Uh, he thinks God wants him to live when he looks down and sees that he hasn't fallen. And as soon as he looks down, he falls to his death. Did you know? I just put this on my notes because I realized it last night that there have been two jumpers in Albuquerque yeah. in the past couple days. Sunday, they... Talk that guy down. Did they talk him down? Was it the same guy who eventually... No, because Sunday it was a a grown man. Okay. And Tuesday it was a 16-year-old kid, and he jumped. Right, I know. I was trying to leave. Well, I wasn't trying to leave work. My mom had come to get me, and we were trying to leave, because it was on Candelaria, and they had Candelaria completely shut down, which is just like a block from where my job is, so... It was just a clusterfuck, but I was like, Jesus Christ. I was like, maybe it's the same guy, but... I figured they talked him down, and then he went a couple days later and just did it. But mm, it was a kid. That was crazy. Uh, yeah. Very yeah. Intense. Um. So at the scene, Sam is saying it looks like suicide. Detective says it is. He left a note. He invested everything into Roman Industries and lost it all when it crashed and burned last year. Dean wants to know why they got called. Oh my god! I never even caught that. Really? Yes. <laughs> I'm like, everyone's sitting here, why is Shannon laughing about... Ro- <gasps> I never caught that at all. <laughs> That's really funny. That is funny. <laughs> um, so Dean wants to know why they would be called to a simple suicide, and she tells him it's because she has two witnesses that swear he floated for a good ten seconds until he looked down and fell. Sounds like a cartoon. Dean says... She's right, you know. I mean, the whole heart jumping out of the guy's chest, the the delayed fall, that's straight up Bugs Bunny. Cass says, so we're looking for some sort of insect-rabbit hybrid. How do we kill it? Sam says, no, we don't, Cass. That's a character, <laughs> like a Woody Woodpecker Daffy Duck. 
There are little animated movies, you know, uh, the coyote chases a roadrunner and then the he laughs. The anvil gets dropped on his head. <laughs> Cass, is this is supposed to be funny? I love that. Is that supposed to be funny? No, it's hilarious. <laughs> so back at the motel, Cass is watching ho- ca- uh, cartoons. He chuckles and then he says he understands. <laughs> the bird represents God. The coyote is man endlessly chasing the divine. Yet, never able to catch him. It's... It's hilarious. It's hilarious. <coughs> I love how pleased Cass is with yes. his deduction yes. of the cartoon. Uh, Dean is not sure what they're hunting. Tulpa, God, he's going to call it. Ask, asks Cass if he's going to book a room. No, I'll stay here. Uh, okay, yeah, we have, we'll have a slumber <laughs> party and braid Sam's hair. <laughs> I love the fact that Sam laughed at that. Right. It wasn't like snarky or like, what the right. fuck? Or, you know, I, like, he... He genuinely, genuinely laughed. Oh, yeah. I think you're my hair. And, and he finishes, where are you going to sleep? Cass says that he doesn't sleep. And Dean says, well, he needs his four hours. And Cass says, I'll watch over him. The way he says it, he's like <laughs> so cute. <laughs> Just like, so, well, I'll watch over you. Like, gosh, Dean. I, I care about you guys. <laughs> Dean's like, not going to happen. <laughs> Cass is getting something off the police radio. It's all waves. A bank has been robbed. Sounds loony. <laughs> How does it sound loony? <laughs> so they get there. There is an anvil on top of a squished person. The detective wants to know if they chase the crazy or if it follows them. <laughs> Dean tells her it depends on the day. The victim is a security guard called in the robbery. Black Hole was trying to jimmy open the safe deposit box when Rent-A-Cop caught him. Black Hole is the name of a robber they've been trying to catch for weeks. Never leaves anything behind except two black circles on the wall, like a signature or something. Sam wants to take a look at the case files for the other robberies. The detective gives Sam a ride to the station while Dean and Cass stay behind. Dean has Cass move the anvil when everybody clears out, and we see that there is a black X underneath. Dean says whoever is doing this is playing by cartoon rules. In Toontown, pretty girl makes the heart jump out of your chest. Anvils fall from the sky and land wherever an X was painted, and if you draw a door or a circle, you can walk through them. Dean doesn't know why the black holes aren't working now. Cass says that John has... Beautiful handwriting while reading his journal. Well, so then we cut from... Let's yeah. clarify that. We leave the bank and we're back at the hotel. Right. I just kind of jumped into that next note there. I did think that was really cute. Because, again, Cass is, like, so cute with them in the hotel when he is trying to be a hunter. Right. And he's, like, not being that overdramatic, I'm socially awkward, laugh at me, Cass. It's, like, these really, like... When he says it, he's like, John had beautiful Hamlet writing. Like, he really right. means it, which I think was really cool, because they don't... I know I say this a lot, but they don't really talk about John's journal very much. No. Anymore. Dean wants to know how Cass is doing. It took him a while to get his sea legs back after purgatory. Cass says he's fine. Dean expresses his concerns. While being thrilled that Cass is back, the resurrection thing always has a mother of a downside. Cass wants to know what Dean would have would have him do. Dean wants to see if he can find answers in heaven. Cass says no. Dean says he hates the angels too. Then Cass yells at him, says he said no. 
I was pretty surprised when that happened. Yeah, Cass doesn't usually stand up to them. Well, Cass doesn't usually yell. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Dean walks over to sit across from Cass, tells him to talk to him. When he had the Leviathans in him, he caused problems on Earth, but he devastated Heaven. He's afraid to see the state that Heaven is currently in. He's afraid he, he might kill himself. I thought that was a really cool moment because, like, you know, Dean's being, like, pushy Dean and trying to, like, get Cass to do stuff to help them out. And Dean's like, no, and, like, puts his foot down. But instead of being like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You need to help us. He's like, okay, talk to me. What's going on, friend? Right. And then Cass talks to him and you're like, oh, fuck. Right. That is, like, really bad. Yeah. Like, he didn't really understand, like, why Cass was upset. It was obvious that he was and he wasn't okay. But to hear that was pretty, right. like, wow. I really liked in that scene also because they have the conversation and Cass says that he would kill himself if he saw what he did to heaven. And like, it was right at that moment that Sam walks in uh-huh. and Cass just immediately just like gets Changes, up. Changes, yeah. Right. Oh, hey, Sam, what did you find? You know, right. and just kind of leaves Dean hanging because he doesn't want to talk about it. Like Cass does not want to talk about it. So right. that was a really human thing to do. Oh, yeah. What he did Absolutely. there. And I liked it because it was more genuine. Yeah, it's a really good scene. Yeah. Uh, so, like Lana says, Cass, uh, Sam shows up and Cass jumps up asking him what he learned. Before the bank, the dude robbed a house across from the park where Gary died. Everywhere the thief went, in a 50-mile radius, people are living in a cartoon. The safety deposit box and everything he's hit belongs to someone living at the Sunset Fields retirement home. Their guy might be there. I do like that Sam actually describes it as an area of effect when they're asking him about it. Because I was like, that's pretty nerdy, Sam. (laughs) Um, Dean says, all right, let's gear up. It's rabbit season. And Cass says, I don't think you pronounced that correctly. I don't know why that one makes me laugh. But I think it's because he just kind of leans in and I don't think you pronounced that correctly. (laughs) Like he doesn't want to embarrass Dean. He doesn't want to embarrass Dean in front of his brother. At the home, at the retirement home, we see that Dean is freaked out by old people. <laughs> Dr. Dwight Mahoney asks if he can help them. They tell him that they would like to question the residents um, on Grand Larceny. Dean tells Sam and Katz, no flirting. So they all go and they talk. Uh, the first old lady re- keeps referring to Cass as Charles. He looks a lot like her third husband. <laughs> Dean notices a hot nurse. The old lady is telling him that she stashed her diamonds in the floorboards. Dean asks about anything weird. She tells him about the resident cat that sometimes he speaks and it really hates the mouse. Cass is going to go talk to the cat. <laughs> I'm like so jealous of Mrs. Tate right now. That's her name. Right. <laughs> All first are sitting there and like Cass and Dean are the ones who are talking to you. Like, that's ridiculous, but now you have a talking cat? Like, that is so cool. <laughs> I wish I knew what he was saying to her, you know what I mean? <laughs> Sam is watching an old man who is completely out of it. An orderly comes up to talk to him about how creepy it is and how these people tune out the real world and live in their own heads, running from the real world. At this point, Sam has another Amelia flashback. Uh, because they were army people and moved around a lot, 
we find out that having spaghetti and hot dogs the first night in a new house was a tradition. That's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. So gross. What the fuck? I mean, it's literally spaghetti with cut up hot dogs in it. Right. Like, like just that's, have like, the what spaghetti. The fuck. Right. Why are you putting hot, hot dogs, dogs in, in there? Right. Maybe they wanted meatballs and they were out. I don't know. That's it's like, yeah. <laughs> that's pushing it, guys. Really gross. Yeah. Sam does not seem pleased with the dinner either, so we're not alone. He tells about his dad being in the Marines. Amelia's dad is still being a dickhead. Um, I mean, that's all I wrote about that. Apparently. They had a good conversation, and I actually like the conversation he had with Sam. Because um, he's telling Sam that he... He was surprised that Sam wasn't in the military. Mm-hmm. And Sam was like, I don't understand why. And he's like, you look like a person who's... He's like, I know the look. And you look like someone who's seen some shit. Right. You know? Um, and he tells Sam that he thinks um, he's running away. And Sam's like, I'm not running away. And he's like, why would I be here with Amelia? And he just flat out tells him, I think Amelia's running away too. And I think you guys are running into each other. Right. Um, so I don't know. I actually thought it was a good conversation. He was right. still being a dick, but at least it gave that me like part, a little bit of meaning behind it. I thought you know? that part was great. I think the part when he's being a dick to him about his dad was more where I was saying. He's right. Right. Yeah. No. And he I, was I saying like, that. you know, he was like being derogatory about the Marines. The Marines. Army or, right. or Navy or whatever the fuck he was in. I think he was Army. So he was just like, like he was, he wasn't even um, being cruel to Sam anymore. He was being rude to his dad, right? Was Which like, was like that's kind of really crossing a line, right? What are you doing? Yeah. But um, yeah, that part of it I liked. Was it there or is it yeah. another flashback? That's where my notes say it happened. Okay. So that's I didn't what I'm assuming. Really fulfill my notes. For the flashback, apparently, because that's... I was, that's well, you're I not mean. a big fan of that part of the story, so... It's very true. Okay, so back, um, him present. Sam doesn't have anything. No EMF, no hex bags. Um, he does notice a picture on the board behind Dean where they're all uh, uh, conjugated and talking and asks Dean if he remembers a guy named Fred Jones. Apparently, this guy gave Dean his first beer and he was psychokinetic. Sam's like, well, he's here in room 114. <laughs> uh, and this is just Sam and Dean, by the way, because uh, Dean t- uh, calls over to Cass to tell him that they're leaving. <laughs> Cass says that he's <laughs> almost cracked the cat. <laughs> and Dean's like, let's go. And Cass turns to the cat and he says, I'm not through with you, and walks away. And after he walks away, the cat says, dumbass. <laughs> <coughs> Which apparently I, his name is Bob the Cat. Oh, really? That's what it's had on the subtitles. Oh, did it really? <laughs> I just, I would give anything to hear. Because I fully believe that Cass was having a legitimate conversation with that cat. Yeah. I don't think it was just cat be, Cass being silly. And like, right. you know, I want to hear what happened between him and that cat. <laughs> it would be pretty good. Yeah. A little sidebar there. So we see Fred, an old man, is watching cartoons. Dean turns it off and tests his theory. He smacks himself in the head and he hears birdies. Oh my god. And he like smacked himself really hard. He did. I'm like, Dean, what would have happened if it wasn't cartoons? Like, you couldn't like draw a circle on the wall or something? And stick your arm through it. More, you know, less painful maybe? 
It was it was a little yeah, I, but I laughed really hard when he did. Yes. <laughs> Cass asks how he is able to do that. Sam tells him that Fred has juice to move things with his mind, but get him worked up and he can reshape reality. Dean wants to know how to shut it off. Cass wants to know if they kill him. And when Cass is saying that, that's when the doctor and everybody's walking in and the doctor is asking that they leave after he hears that. Uh, We see that the old folks are celebrating Sheila's birthday. Fred is still watching cartoons. The candle on the cake explodes. So... It was really clear that that cake was going to end badly, even without cartoons, because it was, like, actually, like, a stick of dynamite that was the candle. (laughs) Like, I mean, you guys can see, like, it's, like, a huge sparkler in the cake. She's not going to blow that out. (laughs) You don't blow those out. No. So I was like, you guys, this was just very badly planned from the beginning. Yes. But the fact that you guys are experiencing cartoon universe, come on. So the guys come back, and they check it out. Uh, they see or they find out that the hot nurse Dean saw earlier is wearing uh, Sheila's diamonds because Sheila's like, oh hey, look, those are my diamonds. Right, <laughs> she has On my the diamonds. Wrist. <laughs> so the guys, uh, you know, question her, and she is, or we find out that she received them from her boyfriend. So they go to the boyfriend's house, and it's the orderly from earlier that had the conversation with Sam about people being creepy and running away. Uh, He is bleeding out on the floor. Cass heals him. He tells him that... So, sorry, I have to talk about Cass healing him because um, the guy, they walk in and the guy is like, I don't know if he's been shot. Is it shot? And so he's laying there. He's clutching his stomach. Cass like walks, because Dean's just like, Cass. And Cass walks up and he's, the guy's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, get away from me. And Dean, and Cass is just like, um... What does he tell him? Like, move your hands or stay still, I think is what he tells him. And the guy just, like, freezes. And I was like, is that, like, an angel thing? Like, how did he get him to just, like, freeze? He's just, like, stay still. And the guy just stays still. Kaz puts his hands on him. He's obviously in a lot of pain, but he gets healed. So that's got to be, like, an angel hypnosis-like thing. Maybe. Or maybe if you're dying on the ground and someone comes up and just says, stay still, you're just going to be like, well, what else do I got right now? Do you think he saw, like, light glowing around him, though? Like, you know how people see shit when they're about to die? Like, maybe that's what it was. He could have seen his wings. He probably did. He was probably, like, getting a glimpse into the veil. Yeah. Because, you know, he was heading that way. Yeah, so I just liked that scene. Again, we get to see some actual angel things happening and not these stupid cash jokes (laughs) uh we find out that dr uh mahoney shot him and took fred he says he's really evil he found out about fred's ability when he smashed his foot in the door and it went flat until he literally shook it out then dr mahoney started doing experiments with fred sam asks about the robberies the orderly tells him that mahoney's been skimming off sunset fields for years so then we cut over to Mahoney who's with Fred didn't we have a flashback first Mm, oh no you're right I'm sorry it's after you're uh, right go ahead uh, Mahoney's freaking out he's gonna hit one uh, one last bank and then split or the bank one last time and split town he's going to then kill Fred to tie up loose ends Oh, no, we don't cut to... That's the order at least telling us that. Oh, right. Okay. 
So uh, the orderly says that he liked Fred and told Mahoney he'd call the cops if he would, if he heard him. Uh, and that's when Mahoney shot him. This that's is when we right. have the flashback. Because I remember they're talking to the orderly. Because when we saw the orderly the first time in the old folks home, at first he just looks like one of those, like, I hate my job type orderlies. But when he right. talks to Dean and he's like, it's kind of sad how they get caught in their own world. I was like, oh, he's actually kind of sweet. And then we find out he's part of the whole thing, and I'm like, oh, no, he's a dick. But then he's having that conversation with them, and he's like, and I liked him, and I didn't want him to hurt him, and right. it just, like, made me like him again. Yeah. It was just such a weird little, like, feelings I had towards right. the orderly. The rollercoaster of right. you had for just this, to this side little character. side character, but I really liked him. I liked him. Um, so in the flashback, her dad is telling uh, Amelia that she's living in a dream world, and it's not going to last Uh, He wants to take her home. Amelia tells him that she's happy there and happy with Sam and to give them a chance. Then the dad comes in and helps Sam with the dishes. Why didn't she stand up to her dad, like, at the beginning of dinner? Instead of keeping it this really awkward and awful experience for Sam the entire fucking night. I know. I would have been like, Dad. Right. I'll stop doing that. (laughs) Stop being an ass. What the hell? Right. I was kind of I was kind of pissed at her when I was thought it was that easy to get him to stop acting like a dick. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll just stay quiet. No, I agree with you on this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so back in the present, we're in an alley. Dean, I'm sorry. There was one more thing, <laughs> not about that, but when they're in the alley, because <laughs> okay. I had paused I it just right started. there. I know. Sorry. <laughs> Because I paused it after her thing so I could finish typing my notes about that. And uh-huh. um, and when I looked up, we're in the alley and it's just the three of them like walking in the uh, Impalas in the background. And I don't know what it is about seeing like their silhouettes like that, but it is like, like really sexy. And I love it. <laughs> and it's so stupid. <laughs> but I looked, I was like, oh, it's a great shot. What the fuck is that? And it's really funny because after I've seen the three of them like in real life, that Misha's actually really tall, and he looks so short next to those two. He does. It's hilarious. But yeah, that was my little <laughs> moment. <laughs> they have great silhouettes. They do. I mean, they have great real bodies, so yes. their silhouettes are... It's kind of inevitable, but yeah. it's a little... Yeah, you know. So anyway, <laughs> in the alley, Dean finds the black hole on the side of the bank. He's going in, and the other dudes uh, are going to go look for Fred. Cass and Sam find Fred in a van. Sam wishes they could just talk to him. Sam or Cass immediately zaps them <laughs> into Fred's mind, and it's Toontown. My notes are like, that's what you get, Sam, if you say you need a miracle, and you yeah. have Cass sitting right there. <laughs> right. Sam talks to Fred. Fred is surprised to see Sam. Inside the bank, Dean catches Mahoney emptying safety deposit boxes. Back in Fred's mind, Sam tells Fred what is going on. Fred doesn't believe he's being used, but Sam points out that he's been living in his own head more than in reality. Back in the bank, Mahoney is offering half the loop to Dean if he lets him go. Dean declines. He doesn't steal from sweet old ladies. Mahoney is stealing from the children, not the old folk. They drop their parents off and only visit once or twice a year. He deserves it more than they do. Yeah, I was actually kind of impressed with that rationalization that had gone on in his brain about why what he was doing was okay. I was like, okay. I don't agree with you, but that's pretty 
impressive as far as why you're justifying this. Right. <laughs> Dean also disagrees. Mahoney knocks him to the ground, and when Dean fires, a bang flag pops out of his gun. I got so happy when I saw that. I was like, this is going to be great. <laughs> Mahoney tells him, welcome to the funhouse. Back in Fred's mind, he's saying that the cartoons make him feel happy and safe. Something to hold on to. Back in the bank, we see Dean run and leap on Mahoney, and which we get a nice little freeze frame with his name, Dean Winchester, and then in parentheses, Hunteris Herocious. <laughs> Mahoney falls to the ground. What was the... Ho- did, they did not... Sh- oh, okay. With, Sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. With his name, Dr. Mahoney, Grotescus Villanius. <laughs> I love that. That When I was a kid, I don't know why, that was always one of my favorite things about in the cartoons, cartoons when, when they would freeze. freeze it and you'd get the little name in Latin. Yeah. It was so funny. So I was really <laughs> excited throughout this whole scene when they had their it little fight. So oh it was great. It was really great. Mahoney pulls out a skillet and smacks Dean around. <laughs> Smashes <laughs> his face into the skillet at one point, leaving a Dean face print. <laughs> <coughs> Give up. I've been dealing with this crazy for months. And you, idiot, and you, an idiot, brings a gun to a gag fight. <laughs> Dean says, but I did bring this, and pulls out a large sharpie and draws an X on this to mark the spot. So here was my question when I saw that. Did he bring a giant sharpie, or did it just turn giant when he got I think mean, he just... Probably, huh? May, you know. Yes. <laughs> the second one? He did one. not bring a giant sharpie. Because the first time I saw it, I was like, where the fuck did he get that? But then my brain was like, oh no, wait. It probably was just like the dude pulled out a skillet randomly, right? Exactly. Able to do. I wish I could have seen Dean drawing the X with it, though. (laughs) 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 An anvil falls narrowly, narrowly miss. I I wrote narrowing, narrowing missing them. (laughs) Wow, Shannon, good notes. Uh, Back in Fred's mind, Sam is trying to talk to Fred into controlling his power and making it stop. Sam tells him he can't hide forever. Whatever he's running from will eventually find him. Trying to maintain the dream will destroy him. It will destroy everything. A little parallel there. Sam's happenings. Fred controls it. The loony has stopped. Mahoney cannot run through his hole. He pulls out a gun about to shoot Dean, but Fred stops him, saying he's not going to hurt anyone else. And he forces the gun on Mahoney and then makes Mahoney shoot himself. I thought that was pretty extreme. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Like, you're not kidding. I thought we were just going to arrest him or something. Yeah, I thought you were just going to make him stop. (laughs) No, we were just going to. Okay. Okay. So I have a question for you. With all this cartoon stuff going on, would you be able to walk through those holes? Don't you think it'd be pretty scary? I think it would be pretty terrifying. Yeah. Like, when Dean does it and he's actually like, oh, sweet. And he, like, climbs through and I'm like, Fuck that. I would not walk through that. Yeah, like, what if it brings you to, like, another dimension? Or you get stuck in, like, Toonlander. Or you get stuck in the hole. Yeah, like, what if... trapped in blackness. Like, Like, you don't know where this guy is. What if he's, like, driving away and, like, as you're passing through it, the 50-mile radius thing is, like, out. Right. And now suddenly... You have your head inside the bank and your feet sticking outside of the building. You're dead at that point. Yeah, I was just, I wouldn't be able to do it. Plus, you don't know what happens. Like, when you go through the hole, it doesn't necessarily mean you're immediately going to come out on the other side of the hole. You might 
come out, like you said, in Toontown. And then what if you have to go find the other hole and, like, you know what I mean? Like, There's you don't know. There's just, yeah, there that no. It's very no. questionable. I wouldn't be able to do it. Um, so Fred says he's good now, but he's not sure about in six months to a year. No one gets sharper with age. Cass says there might be a way to make it stop. The procedure will be painful, and after, he's not sure how much of Fred will be left. But Fred agrees. Back at the home, we see Fred is in a wheelchair, and Cass tells them that he is listening to Ode to Joy, and he is happy. So, the Ode to Joy is like a little, it's like a trigger for me. (laughs) I don't know why. Every single time I hear it, I cry. Uh, I don't know why. trigger. Right, yeah. like, no. No, no, I was trigger. making fun of the, got it, got it, got the trigger thing. but um, And so Cass says that, and I was just like, <gasps> no, I was. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so beautiful. So um, what I did as soon as this episode was over, <laughs> well, actually, you know what? I'll tell that at the end. Let's finish the episode. <laughs> okay. So he tells him he's listening to Ode to Joy, and he's happy. Dean tells Cass he can have a shotgun. He did good. Cass tells them he can't go. He can have a shotgun. <laughs> He tells him he can't go when he's suddenly pulled back up into Naomi's office. She tells him no to whatever he's thinking. He wants to come back to see how he can help heaven. She says he is to stay out of heaven unless she rings her bell. She tells him to do what he wants. Back uh, on earth, Sam is asking Cass uh, why he can't go with them. Cass says he wants to stay with Fred for a few days to make sure he's okay. He's not sure what he'll do after, but he knows he can't run anymore. Another Amelia flashback. The dad is telling Sam about Amelia's sugar plum performance at school. They're all bonding and everybody's happy and laughing. She, okay, so when he's describing his daughter going up onto stage, he actually says she waddles onto stage. Right. He's really nice. Right. And she's like, waddles. Being and he's like, he's like, well, you were chubby. I was like, wow. Wow, what a fucking dick. The guy's an asshole. Jesus Christ. Um, at this point, Amelia gets a phone call. She's obviously very surprised by what she's hearing on the other line, or other end of the line, and she comes back into the room where everybody is, and she tells them that it's Don. He apparently is alive. If you've forgotten, Don is her ex-husband who supposedly died in Afghanistan or whatever. Well, the only reason he's an ex is... <clears throat> because he was dead. They didn't get divorced. Right. Back in the present, Sam and Dean are leaving the uh, Sunset Fields retirement home. Cass pulls up a chair and sits down next to Fred, and we hear Ode to Joy, and it gets louder and louder as we go to credits. And Cass looks at him and smiles at him, and it's just so cute. It is. Um... So, yeah. So, I'm done watching this, and I'm, like, big lump in my throat. I'm like, that's just such a great ending, because that stupid song. Um, well, not. Anyways. So, <laughs> what started all of it with me and the Ode to Joy is, did you ever see Immortal Beloved? Yeah. Um, and so, for anybody who hasn't seen Immortal Beloved, it's uh, Gary Oldman plays uh, Beethoven. And it's a very loosely based on his life story. Right. Most of it is, like... People say it happened, but there's no real actual evidence that anything in this movie actually happened. But at the very end, they play the Ninth Symphony. 
um, which is the last one he ever wrote. And he did die very shortly after he wrote it. Um, and they're playing it and they're showing like in his head, like what he was thinking of when he made it. And it just like that whole part at the end, like right where the whole, um, climax starts. No, (laughs) shut up. (laughs) But when the climax like hits and you see what he's thinking and how he's like running away from his home because his dad is like beating him and he goes and he finds this lake. And it gets really quiet, and he just steps into the lake, and he just starts floating. Okay. You are going to cry. <laughs> and then it's just like, shut up. <laughs> it is so beautiful. Because um, he's just floating in the lake, and you just hear this huge like climax in Ode to Joy. And it's just like, I don't know. It was just really, really, really well done. And so that was like the tipping point for me and like the Ode to Joy. And every single time I hear it, that's what I think about. And so if you haven't seen that movie, I highly recommend it. I mean, it's Gary Oldman. It's amazing. <laughs> right. You're not going to go wrong there. But it's just, it's a really, really great movie. I think but he's my favorite character actor. I think so, too. He's just so amazing. He is. He really is. But yeah, so that's why I get so stupid, sad, and crazy when it comes to the O2. You had a touching moment, and it always... Brings it up. Exactly. It recalls the memory. That's fair. There's nothing wrong with that. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, the title, Hunteria Hiroshii, is a play on Looney Tunes cartoon convention giving fake Latin species names to characters. For example, Speedometerus Rapidius for the Roadrunner. During the episode, there is a freeze frame where Dean, is, Dean and Dr. Mahoney are labeled. The tags are presented in the typeface Comic Sans, a much maligned typeface, although in this situation, very appropriate. Big Ryan's Gas and Sip at the beginning of the episode was named after the visual effects coordinator, Ryan Curtis. The first victim, whose heart explodes from his chest, Gary Frayling, his last name is reference to the animator, Frizz Frayling, who... Created iconic characters such as Bugs Bunny, Porky Pig, Tweety Bird, and Sylvester the Cat. Wow. Sam Dean and Cass used the names Crosby, Stills, and Nash as their FBI oh, Jesus aliases. Christ. Do they seriously? A reference to the folks rock supergroup Crosby, Crosby Stills, Stills, and Nash. Nash. That is and the young. stupidest. Oh, well, I mean, there was a point where it was just Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Right. Because Neil Young's kind of a dick, and so he left. <laughs> <laughs> The cat in the nursing home is wearing a tag with Bob on it. The voice of the cat is provided by Bob Singer. Oh, there you go. After writing 16 episodes with Daniel Laughlin, this is the first episode on which Andrew Dabb has had a solo credit on. Hmm. And then I think the next one, it's vice versa. Oh, okay. Uh, Ben Edlin... Once pitched the idea of an episode with an act break from the point of view of a cat, which happens in this episode. Kind of, I guess. Sort of. Brian Markinson, who played Amelia's father, Stan Thompson, previously portrayed Jerry Panowiski in Phantom Traveler from season one. Wow. Which one was Phantom Traveler? It was the fourth episode. Let me see. Um, I don't. Hold on. Fucking remember. <laughs> oh, it's the airplane one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That fucking shit is 
hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, Dean. Oh, and then watching them kill their first demon. Demon? Oh, oh man, that was god. crazy. Remember when they could just say Christo? Right. And they knew that it was a demon. <laughs> Oh, back uh, in the day. <laughs> and then the effort it took to exercise it. Yeah. And now Sam can just Recite do reverse it. Right. <laughs> not allow them to smoke out. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the retirement home setting used in this episode for Sunset Fields is the same location that was used for the insane asylum in Sam Interrupted from season five of episode 11. Episode. <laughs> Both Dean's Stan? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was like, what? Stan is the stepfather. <laughs> Both Dean and Stan open their beers the same way in this episode, by using a knife. Yes. And Sam does point that out. He does. Maxine Miller, portraying Sheila, a resident at the assisted living facility, facility, has provided the voice for multiple characters in several animated feature movies and cartoon series. Really? Mm-hmm. Brian Markinson, Amelia's dad. Catherine Haugist, who played Detective Glass. And Amanda Tapping, who plays Naomi, are all X-Files alumni. Hmm. Like many of the guests of Supernatural. See, I knew Naomi was familiar looking. I'm going to have to go see which X-Files she's in. And the scene when Sam, Dean, and Cass are interrogating Mrs. Frailing... Uh, thinking that she did spell work to cause the husband's death and discover that she knew about her husband's affair. Um, and when Cass asks Dean about who killed her, and Dean responds, who gives a blank uh, and gets bleeped by a horn. This happened because Jensen Ackles, in an effort to make Misha and Jared laugh, he actually says, who gives a fuck? Oh, and the wow. editors decided to keep the outtake for comic relief. So that wasn't wow. actually scripted. That's awesome. <laughs> it was supposed to just be, so why did she kill her husband? And then cut. Oh. The dean said, who gives a fuck? Gives a... Especially yeah. the way he says it, too. So awesome. they kept it, but then obviously bleeped right. out the fuck. That which I think is, is awesome. really great. Yes. Um, the only song in this is Ode to Joy. And the body count is four. So that's my favorite song. Mine too. <laughs> um, what's your favorite moment? Just the fight scene with Dean and what's his face? That's really good. Yeah, it's just hilarious. It just brings back so many memories as like a kid watching it really cartoons. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was God, so I much fun. Cartoons forever. <laughs> right? Like, actual, you know, Saturday morning kind of cartoons. Like Looney Tunes type cartoons. Right. Yeah. It was I used to watch that shit like crazy. Me too. I love Pepe Le Pew is my favorite. His episodes <sighs> so with that great. poor cat who he's just always <laughs> chasing around. <laughs> I think that's why I like Pepe from Muppet so much. Oh, that's true, because they are very similar. I am not a shrimp. I am a I king prawn. <laughs> I love when he's fucking dancing around. And... <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, going to go change, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and I like, I like the little rat in that one, too. Yes. Hold on. Oh, Alright, if you guys have not seen Muppets from Space, you need to watch it. <laughs> that movie is freaking hilarious. One of my favorite ones. Yeah. Oh, 
god, Pepe is so great. Yes. Um, line, I really liked. I don't think you pronounced that correctly. Yes. I liked that one. I honestly oh. picked. Oh, go ahead. I'm gonna have to say my favorite line is when Dean's like, "Okay, right. yeah, we're gonna have a slumber party. We'll braid Sam's hair. Where are you gonna sleep?" Um, I liked when Cass, when Dean's explaining, or Sam's explaining cartoons to him and how the Roadrunner drops an anvil on the coyote, and Cass, is that supposed to be funny? (laughs) I don't know why that line makes me laugh. But when I picked my favorite line, it was Dean's who gives a fuck line. (laughs) Yes, that's really good. Yeah. So that makes it even better. Of course, I always imagined it in my head that he was saying who gives a shit, so the fact that he says who gives a fuck. I always just imagine who gives a fuck because that's what I always say. Right. I say fuck like every other word. And then I read it and I was like, perfect. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Alright, let's take a quick break um, and we'll be back for Citizen. Directed by Nick Copas and written by Daniel Laughlin. So we open and we're in Carrancro, Louisiana, which I've never heard of. I actually had to look it up. Um, It's outside a Cajun cafe, a real dumpy looking place that's very local. And then we see that Benny is working there. And it's close to closing time. The manager is leaving, but she's giving him like a laundry list of things to do. Uh, and he's like finishing her sentences for her, and because she's obviously worried, but he's like, "I've got this," because it's not his first rodeo. I wish I could say his lines like with his oh, accent, no. but I can't. I'm not even gonna try. But I wish you guys could hear it. It's amazing. If you haven't, go listen. Um, then there's this creepy old man in the background, or sitting at the bar, who's like, "Man, she's quite a girl." And Benny's like, "Yeah," and he's like you guys together and Benny's like well she's more like a younger sister and so the guy's like so do you mind if I take a shot and he's like this really gross like very older much much older than her man so Benny was like do whatever you want to kind of (laughs) laughed at him like okay um then we hear a guy in the corner asking for more coffee like calling Benny over to get more coffee um then we get a kind of a close-up on his face so then um, it's closing time. We see Benny leaving. He's walking through like the swamp and we see the guy who was asking for coffee following him. Benny hears something in the woods. And so he goes after it. 
the coffee dude passes that same spot, hears something else in the woods, and also it sounds like a muffled scream. And so he runs in there and he falls on a corpse. Uh, what did I write? Falls on the corpse of the creeper that wants to take a shot at the lady. There we go. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? So yeah, it's the gross old guy who was going to hit on the diner manager. And then we go to the title card. Sam takes the call, tells Dean that they need to leave right away. Dean asks if he can finish his burger first. But Sam tells him they got a vant to kill and... Karis, well, how do you say it? What? Karen Crow? Oh, Karen Crow, yeah. Karen Crow, Louisiana. Dean says, huh, it's been a while since I've had some etouffee. Is that yeah. what it is? Which, by the way, is a Creole dis- dish of shellfish over rice. It sounds really good. Yeah. When I was reading about it, I, was I like, love Creole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sam tells Dean that uh, Marion Caesar Creaser is the sort. Mar- I think that's supposed to say Martin Creaser. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, it is. Marin? Anyway, Anyways. Um, <laughs> Dean isn't too happy that crazy Martin, oh, there I spelled it right. Oh, there you go. Is the source. Sam says he's mostly okay. Glendale released him. And when they did, Martin called asked and asked if Sam had anything to help him ease him back into the game. Which he did. He put him on Benny to track and observe. And by the way, really quick, Sam misnames the institution that Martin was in because in Sam Interrupted, he was in Glenwood Springs and he calls it Glendale, which I just was like, that's an interesting. That is. You think somebody would have checked that. Right. Anyway, um, so obviously, (laughs) Sam is like a total dick in this scene. Oh, yeah. And I was like, really, you're going to get the crazy guy and that's who you're going to have follow Benny. Right. Like, I mean, okay, I can see where Sam's coming from, because now here's Dean's vampire friend mm-hmm. in a spot where a bunch of people are being killed by a vampire now, and so I, if I was Sam, I'd be pretty pissed off, too. Right. But, like, I don't think getting Crazy Martin to follow the guy was a very good idea, Sam. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Dean is also not too happy that Sam put <laughs> most, quote-unquote, mostly okay Martin on Benny. And Sam says, really, Dean? You don't believe that? Because Benny's a vampire, and any hunter worth his salt isn't going to let one just walk away freely. So I had Martin keep tabs on him, and right now it's looking like I made the right call. Um, I think, obviously, this has a lot more to do with Amy than anything else, because Sam was the driving force of letting Lenore walk around freely, who was right. the female vampire uh, who was part of that nest that didn't eat humans. They they fed off of animal blood. Right. And she was like the last remaining one. And he was really the driving force behind them letting her live. Because obviously back then Dean was still like, no, monster equals monster. Right. But he agreed and let her go. Okay. So I'm like, hold up, Sam. Right. <laughs> Let me stop you right there for a second. Being a little hypocritical. I know the Winchesters are tend to be hypocritical, but come on, dude. You literally <laughs> did the same. Any hunter worth his salt would have let a vampire walk free. Like, so you just did you? that, like, how many right. years ago? But okay. 
I see where you're coming from, but let's just admit that this has a lot to do with, with Amy. Right. <laughs> um, Martin is saying that Benny made the kill. Dean says, okay, which surprises Sam. Dean says, if he's in Louisiana draining folks, then they definitely need to look into it. Which I'm like, well, yeah. Yeah. That's totally fair. I think that's fair on everybody's part. Mm-hmm. But could you maybe have gotten somebody else to watch it? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So they get to Martin's place, and he tells them that up until last mon- mo- until last night, Benny has been clean, working at the gumbo shack. Dean is surprised by this. Martin tells him that Benny goes by Roy out here. Martin tells him that he followed him home like every night, but last night when he turned up a path and heard a scream, the old man from the diner was vamped. Martin did not actually see Benny kill the old man. Mark, Martin argues with Dean about Akim's razor, keeping it simple. It's got to be Benny. I like that line. Because <laughs> he's getting really frustrated with Dean because Dean's like, we don't know what's going on. It could be Benny. And, right. and from a hunter's perspective, I get where Martin's coming from. He's like, we have a vampire victim and we have a vampire. Oh, right. I think we know who did this. Right. <laughs> and he tells Dean, you ever heard of Occam's razor? Keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> Which just made me laugh. I think it's hilarious coming from Martin. <laughs> right? You know? Um, Dean asked Sam if that sounds like the Benny he knows. And I was like, that's weird. And that's I like exactly Sam's I... response because Sam says, I don't know Benny. Right. And I was yeah. like, Dean, why would you ask Sam that? He right. literally met him one time for like two seconds and looked like he wanted to murder him immediately. Right. right. Um... And I wrote, Sam says he doesn't know Benny. Duh. Duh. (laughs) Marin can't believe that Dean is vouching for a vampire. Dean wants to know for sure. Doesn't want to go out on a witch hunt for Benny. Dean wants some time. Martin does not want to give him any. He wants to go kill Benny immediately. Sam asks Dean how much time he needs. Dean tells him just a couple of hours. Sam tells him a couple of hours is all he gets. Martin says they're going to go kill Benny as soon as Dean pulls away. I was like, this is after Dean leaves. Because I was, when Dean said he only needed a couple hours, I thought it was going to be more time than that, mm-hmm. which I was starting to get really annoyed. Like, you can't just expect them to sit around for like the next day while you're trying to figure out what's going on. But when he said he just needs a couple hours, I was like, okay. Like, that I think is reasonable. Yeah. And I, I agree with Sam giving him those couple of hours, you know. So, um,. Sam tells him they're not going to go kill Benny as soon as Dean pulls away, and they're going to give him some time. Marin cannot believe what he's going that he's going on like this when the truth is staring them right in the face. Sam says sometimes it's hard to see things for what they are, to which goes into an Amelia flashback. Yes. Um, he wants to know if she knows what she's going to say to Don. She doesn't. He doesn't want to give up on them, even though it's her husband. He thinks what they have is right. Back in the present, Dean goes to see Benny at the gumbo shack. He orders some pie. They're out. He asks about Roy. Finds out that he's moved his camper up the road to Mill Creek for fishing, apparently. Did we already clarify that Roy is Benny? Yes. We did. Well, I said earlier that Martin told Dean that he goes by Roy out here. Thank you. Sorry. Just in case. You missed it. Roy is There we go. (laughs) I do want to say Uh, that Elizabeth's accent is terrible yes it's really bad (laughs) um dean gives elizabeth his number to pass to roy or she can call him if she wants (laughs) 
He's going to take a rain check on the pie. Dean calls and leaves a message on Benny's phone. Body's turned up and he went fishing. Doesn't look so good. Benny is looking at another dead body as he gets the message from Dean. He's digging some gra- graves and washes his he, he has dug some graves and he's washing his hands as Dean shows up. Benny tells him right away that it's not him. Benny tells him that he just planted victim number two. He asks Dean uh, to safety the machete and they can talk. Dean holds it in front of himself and tells Benny he's all ears. Benny tells him that it's a rogue vamp. Came in the cafe a couple nights ago. Goes by the name Desmond. First off, I really like how they shoot the scene because they keep a lot of the foliage in the foreground. Right. Which gives you that like more swampy type feel, even right. though they're filming it in Canada. Um, <coughs> but I thought a rogue vamp was like the stupidest thing. It was like a rogue vampire. <laughs> like it's a vampire. You don't get to say it's a rogue vampire. <laughs> Maybe it's Rogue from the X-Men vampire. Oh, shut up, Sam. <laughs> Sam? Sam? <laughs> that was weird. Okay, Dean. Shut up, Shannon. <laughs> <sighs> You're not allowed to edit that out. Oh, I'm not? <laughs> no. He remembered yeah, well, Benny. We'll see. You don't even listen to these anyways. So. <laughs> yes, I do. Desmond remember Benny from the good old days. I know it's hard to believe, but I haven't always been this cute and cuddly. I wish I could talk like him. Right. That was a Benny line, by the way. That was. Desmond is crewing up a new nest and wants to use Benny as some street cred. Benny told him no, but Desmond is laying bodies in his wake trying to rouse him. Benny is not going to let an amateur chase him out of his hometown. We find out that Benny was born and bred here. Benny figured with Andrea gone and Dean hunting again, it was a good time for a homecoming. He got his old job back and even found someone to hold him accountable. The best kind of someone. Family. Dean, at this point, realizes that it's Elizabeth. And Benny tells him that it is his great-granddaughter. <laughs> Dean's like, oh, shit. So Benny knows that tone. He yeah. asks if Dean did anything. <laughs> and he's like, No! <laughs> Thank God you didn't do anything, Dean. <laughs> um, so as I'm sure you can imagine, I was not too interested in this episode. But I love sure. listening to Benny talk. And most of the time, I don't even know what he's saying. <laughs> and that's what I realized after the scene when we got to the whole, it's his great granddaughter and Dean's like, oh my God. I was like, what the fuck were they even just talking about? <laughs> I listened to the whole thing. <laughs> no idea what was said because I was just listening to Benny talk. Yeah. Benny says she doesn't know about him. As far as she's concerned, he's just another drifter. He'd like to keep it that way. Benny tells him that Elizabeth helps him keep control, and he finally feels like he's got a handle on things. Dean disagrees with the two dead bodies and two hunters on his ass. Benny says he can handle the old dude from the cafe. Dean tells him that Sam said Martin, and Benny won't want to mess with Sam. Benny says he's going to take care of Desmond, but Dean begs him not to. Tells him to sit on the sidelines while he convinces Martin and Sam to go after Desmond. So, I guess Benny's like, okay, see what happens. And Dean goes back to talk to Sam and Martin. So, I thought Dean bought into Benny's story pretty easily. Um, And it kind of reminded me, we go back to like season... um, in season six, where Dean was the only person who like wanted to believe that Cass wasn't 
turning evil when Cass was like very clearly like turning evil. And so I think this is one of like Dean's um, weaknesses, weaknesses. Yeah. right? That he just has so much faith in the people he cares about um, that he refuses to see like any bad. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, yeah, I just think the more I listened to Benny's story, the more it sounded legitimate, but at the same time, he's a vampire yeah. and he's burying bodies of people that have been killed by a vampire. Right, so yeah. that's a huge stretch to just be like, okay, I believe him. You know? Yeah, I was also like, you kind of believed him pretty quick, Dean. I know you're really into this dude, but like maybe do a little bit more research or check into his story and validate it a little bit before you're See if just you can like, find cool. evidence of a second vampire even being around. Yeah. Right. So. So. But I totally agree with you. He has a weakness for the people he cares about. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's just Dean and his hardcore family values that extend right. to, you know, non-blooded family as well. Right. So it's good Cor- and bad. Cold-blooded family. Ah. <laughs> hey, oh. Leanna's a dad all of a sudden. Shut up. Anyway, I agree with you. Long story short. And I think it's, I think it's a really... Uh, great thing about Dean, but it's also a really terrible thing about Dean. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. It's like a, a double-sided thing. So Martin and Sam are not <laughs> on board with the plan. Dean tells Sam that Benny has never let him down. Sam is so happy for Dean that he finally found someone he can trust after all of these years. I was like, holy shit, Dean. Because <laughs> Dean actually said that... Benny is the only person who has never let him down. Right. Something along those lines. And I thought that was a really mean thing to say to Sam, but then I immediately was like, well, Dean's never going to get over the fact that Sam was drinking demon blood and lying to him about it. Or not looking for him because of a girl. Right. I think, honestly, all the things that Dean are going to blame, that's, that Dean is going to blame Sam for. Right. I don't think that's so much that Sam was lying to him though. Like, cause this, this statement is more about like who he can trust. Right. And, um, uh, as far as who's telling him the truth and who's being honest. And that's why, I, I don't know, at first I was like, that's pretty fucked up that you're going to tell your brother you can't even trust him, but then it kind of... I don't think like, they can trust each other. Ever, right. Because yeah. they are always lying to each other. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but for some reason, it just immediately made me think of, like, the demon blood thing. Because that's going to be... I don't that's know if you could ever big. get over that. Like, that was a five-year arc. Right. It was a pretty big deal. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's such a horrible thing to lie to somebody about. Like, you know, and... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It became, like, very similar to, like, somebody who's, like, abusing drugs and, like, yeah. yeah. But it was just one of those things where you can't, like, get over that. Ever. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely can see where Dean is coming from. It's really harsh of him to say to his brother. Yeah. Especially if he's wanting to try to mend any bridges at all with Sam. Right. Um, This is not how you start that. But I guess being as honest as you can is also a good start. You know, right. it's just a hard, hard start. It's just like the one person he's referring to is a fucking vampire. It's like, right. really, Dean? <laughs> yeah. The person who was like so black and white about monsters and them having exactly. to die is now like, this is the only person I can trust. Right. What the fuck <laughs> is happening? <laughs> but anyway, I love Benny though, so I'm just like, right. yeah. Um,. So Dean says that he knows Benny is innocent. Sam says that Dean is too close to it. And, (coughs) excuse me, 
Dean tells them they won't find Benny, and if they do, Sam is in a world of hurt, and Martin is definitely dead. And I was like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Sam won't die. He'll hold no. his own. He'll yeah. probably kill Benny, but Benny will not go down easily. And he's definitely, definitely going to kill Martin. Martin. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, Martin knocks Dean out. Like and I was like, what you. the fuck? At this point, I was like, okay, this motherfucker needs to die because he's really pissing me <laughs> off. <laughs> I was pretty shit. Like, he clocked him. He like, did. Just, like, bam. Oh, my God. It was very unexpected. It was. A sucker punch. Yeah. Sam wants to know what that was for. Martin says that Dean made his choice. They need to go do their job. Martin is telling Sam that he's happy John wasn't around to hear that. He has half a mind to take them out to the woodshed himself. And I was just like, oh, oh my Jesus. God, please yeah. die. Sam pushes him, pushes Martin up against the wall and tells him to shut up. He brought him in and he can take him out just as easy. Martin continues saying he can't believe a brother would choose a vamp over a brother. <coughs> I just can't believe how, like, even in the face of this violence from Sam, this guy is still, like, I can't believe you guys. Well, I don't know. I can't. I mean, he's the hunter. You know what I mean? And he hasn't seen... He is, but I would be like, if Sam is holding me up on a oh, I see what wall, you're saying. I'd be like, okay, yeah, <laughs> like, right. I wouldn't true. still be pressing the issue. I would still go kill this vampire because I'd be like, what the right. fuck is wrong, wrong with the Winchesters? The Winchesters right? <laughs> but the second Sam's got me up by the throat on a wall, I'd be like, You're yeah. right, Sam. You're absolutely right. <laughs> like, yeah, you could take me out. That's cool. Thank you for giving me this job. Right. Let's go do it. Right. <laughs> But anyway. I see what you're saying. Uh, at this point, we have uh, another Amelia flashback. Sam is drinking at a bar when Don shows up. Don tells Sam that Amelia loves both of them, but the only one who can know what's best for Amelia is herself. So when she makes her decision, he'll respect it, and he hopes that Sam does too. So <laughs> the guy walks up, and they clearly know each other. Um <coughs> I don't even remember what... What is her husband's name? Don. Don. I don't remember what Don says. Um, something along the lines of, you know, what happened to me. And Sam goes, yeah, rough deal. I'm like, Sam, <laughs> the guy was like a prisoner of war. You don't get to just be like, yeah, man, rough deal. <laughs> what the fuck, Sam? I know. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was very, very badly played. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, Sam nods when Don says all this. Don buys Sam another drink and walks out. Back to the present, Dean comes to and picks the lock of his handcuffs. They had handcuffed him to the furnace. Yeah. That's really dangerous. I know. I was like, you knocked him out. He's unconscious and you freaking handcuffed him to the furnace. I was like, really, Sam? Right. Just... Knock him out. That's right. You have plenty of head start. That's all you need. Yeah. Um, he calls Benny and warns him. Benny says he can take Sam. Dean tells him not to underestimate his brother. Benny wants to know what Dean is going to do. And Dean tells him he's going to go after Desmond. Benny wants to go, but Dean tells him no. Benny tells him that if he doesn't take him, he won't tell him where Desmond is. Desmond told Benny the killings wouldn't stop until he joined the nest. Two bodies is enough, so he told Desmond that he's in. Sam and Martin get to Benny's to find that he's already fled. Sam gets a text from Amelia saying, come quick, she needs his help. And he does. <laughs> he just leaves yeah, Martin. Yeah, like, he like, just Bye. bails. And I was like, 
Wow. And that made me kind of feel bad for Martin. Because now Martin's like, dude, the fucking Winchester is like, how did I get involved in this? Like, Martin was pissing me off at that moment. Right? I was like, oh. Because that that's pretty it, like, shitty. Right? Like, he takes him in the car. Well. Right? <laughs> um, Martin finds a picture of Elizabeth and Benny together. And this is when Sam leaves. Uh, and Martin is just left stranded. Dean meets up with Benny at the nest. Inside, Dean gets jumped and almost dies, but then he saves him. Then he tells him, you've lost a step friend. Need to lay off the junk food. So, um, there's a couple of things that happen in there. First, I don't remember what Dean says to Benny when he shows up, but Benny tells him, if I didn't know any better, I'd say you have a pretty low opinion of us vamps, which I thought was a funny line. Yeah. And then Desmond tackles Dean and they're having their fight. Uh... Oh, and so Desmond pins him down and says, D- Benny didn't tell me he was bringing a friend. <laughs> and Dean says one of my favorite lines. He says, you're not going to talk a lot, are you? <laughs> um, Benny is eyeing Dean's cutthroat. He says he's fine and walks away. Then he asks if his life here is over. Dean says it is. Once word gets out, all the hunters will come for him. It will be impossible to take them all. He needs to go deep underground where no one will know who he is. Sam is on his way to Amelia, trying to call her, but the call cannot be completed. Get another flashback. Sam is leaving Amelia. He's going to do the right thing. She needs to give Don a chance like she gave him one. She saved him. Back to the present. Benny is outside the cafe. He just wanted to see Elizabeth one last time. Dean tells him it's time to go. I would like to point out that Dean's neck healed very quickly. Yeah, it did. It really did. It, there was no cut there at all. Like, not even a scar. <laughs> did, you have, did you have the vampire lick that right. or something? Was, like, did Cass show up all, hey, Dean, zap, and then, like, took off? <laughs> I felt that you were hurt. Right. <laughs> right. Benny thanks Dean for not giving up on him. Dean tells him, don't give me a reason to. I really liked that scene. It's it was cute. Really, just a split second, but it's like, oh. Yeah. There's a, that's nice. They are friends. Dean calls Martin to tell him the situation has been taken care of. To not follow Benny. Tells him to get a new line of work. Martin says not to worry about him. He's long gone. I thought it was pretty stupid of Dean to leave Martin there. Yeah. At least take Wait, him with the you. The dude is crazy. Right. He's gonna go kill Benny, Dean. Jesus Christ. Um... Then we see Martin in a truck, and he calls Benny um, on Elizabeth's cell phone. Or no, he call, he's at the diner, sorry. And he talks, and he, so this, sorry, this is after Benny <coughs> and Dean have already stood outside the diner. Everybody's gone their separate ways. Benny is driving away, yes. and he's about, an, I don't know, an hour out of town or whatever, when Martin calls him from the diner from Elizabeth's phone, saying... Uh, he talks about Elizabeth being a nice girl, and she's very kind to strangers. Then he tells him to leave her alone, but Martin wants to know how far he is. He tells him about an hour. Martin tells him he has 45 minutes and hangs up on him. Then he gets to the cafe, and Elizabeth is tied to a chair. Martin has a knife to her throat. Martin is threatening Elizabeth, finally cuts her throat to prove that Benny has the hunger. Benny turns away and is able to control it. 
Marn tells Elizabeth not to worry. He won't feed off his own flesh and blood. Benny wants to know what Martin wants. Martin tells him his head. Benny lays his head down on the counter. Martin goes to decapitate him. Elizabeth screams. I actually kind of got a lump in my throat when that happened. When Benny laid down on the counter. Yeah, me too. I was like, please, no, I really like him. Right. (laughs) But it was just sad that that's what he was just going to, you know, do it. Like, okay, just to save her. I felt so bad for her in that scene because here she is, Roy, who's just been this really great guy to work with. And then this hot dude, Dean, shows up and is like, hey, give me a call. And then, like, that night she's being held hostage by a crazy person who is there to kill Benny. Right. Is there because of Dean, this hot guy you just met? It's like, what a fucked up day. Like, No kidding. Yeah. Um, so at Amelia's, uh, Sam sees through the window that she's with Dawn. They're on the couch watching the movie, drinking beer, and they look pretty happy. Sam gets pretty sad, and he leaves. Elizabeth calls Dean, tells him to come. Dean hauls ass back to the cafe... Dean finds a dead Martin in the cafe. And Elizabeth was sitting out on the porch, like, covered in blood and obviously very shaken up. Back at a bar, uh, Sam is sitting there uh, all alone, and he calls Amelia's number again. This time, Dean answers. A burner phone, which he switched out in case he needed it, and seemed like he made the right call. He was basically throwing that back into Sam's face from when Sam said that to him early in the beginning of the episode. That really pissed me off. Uh, Sam asks if it's done. Dean tells him it is. He, Sam asks, any casualties? He says, Martin. Sam says, was it Benny? And Dean said, he had it coming, Sam. I'll tell you what happened. And Sam's like, I know what happened, Dean. And Sam, or and Dean says, okay, you want to listen to me or not? But Sam hangs up on him. Amelia is behind Sam at the bar. She knew it was him. Credits. I was so mad at Dean at the end of this episode. (coughs) I was surprised he was able to do that. Yeah. I was like, wait, how did you? Like, you must have learned some things from Frank, I guess. Right. That's pretty fucking impressive. It just, I mean, it's just so mean. It is. It's very it's, cruel. It's very mean. And like, what? And then, because oh, he calls Dean, and Dean, like, is like the whole, so are you going to listen to me? And he's like just being this really smug prick. And I was, and so Sam hangs up on him, and I'm like, I'm, it's a good thing Sam wasn't right there because he would have beat the shit out of you. And you would have deserved it. For them to talk anyway. Right. And so I was just, I was really, really, really mad at Dean. And then, of course, Sam has to see Amelia before he leaves. And so now I'm like really mad at Dean. <laughs> So, not a good ending. No, it's not a good ending. Um, I I get why Dean did it, because he didn't want there to be the altercation of the potential of Benny and Sam fighting, but I was like, you couldn't have thought of something else. Right. <laughs> like, anything yeah. else. Anything like, else. Like, tell him where Benny said he was going to be, or whatever. Right. Like, you went to Benny's house, like, how are they going to track where Desmond is? Right. They don't fucking know any of that. Right. I don't think that was a necessary step. I don't think so either. Like, you look like an asshole for doing it. You did something really mean to your brother. And it's just, it's something to create a whole other world of drama. Right. That really didn't need to be there. Yeah. Because 
yes, your hunt, your brother's a really good hunter, but he's not going to find Desmond before you and Benny go and deal with it. Right. And Benny can get safely out of town or whatever. Right. Exactly. But whatever. The Winchesters do really stupid shit. God, they all do. All the fucking all time. The time. <laughs> if it's not one, it's the other. Right. Or they're both oh, doing stupid both shit together. Right. Occasionally. <laughs> I mean, at least then they're doing something together. Together, right. <laughs> at least they're agreeing on the stupid shit that they're doing. <laughs> Which I prefer that to the to the alternatives, but yeah, it feels very frustrating. Anyway, the title "Citizen Fang" is a reference to Citizen Kane, nineteen forty one, an American classic film highly regarded as the best movie of all time. After writing 16 episodes with Andrew Dabb, this is the first episode on which Daniel Laughlin has had a solo credit. How funny. Yeah, I thought it was kind of neat that they yeah. were the back-to-back. Yeah. Um, Kathleen Monroe, who plays Elizabeth, previously played Katie's mother in The Kids Are Alright, Season 3, Episode 2. Hmm. It is 783 miles from... Karen Crow. Karen Crow. Karen Crow. I don't know. I'm never going to be able to say that. <laughs> Louisiana to Kermit, Texas, just over an 11 hour drive, according to Google Maps, which is where uh, Amelia would be. I think so. it's funny that you looked at it because I looked it up too right away. I was like, no way he drove there <laughs> in one night on back highways like they always do. Um, let's see. So we had a few songs here. Born on the Bayou, Creedence Clearwater Revival, mm-hmm. Feel Alright, Steve Earle, and That Old Familiar Paint by Marlon James. I think Born on the Bayou. Yeah. Uh, body count in this is four. <coughs> My favorite moment was the moment with uh, Benny and Dean when they're, you're like, oh, they're friends. Right. But I also really like that they're friends, but Dean is also still going to hold Benny accountable right. for being a monster. That's true. I just liked when Dean first got there and he's talking to Benny, but that was just because I got to hear Benny talk for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Line? The when Dean tells uh, Desmond, you're not going to talk a lot, are you? <laughs> I like I like the line in that scene when Benny says, "You lost a step friend. Need to lay out the junk food." Right. <laughs> all in all, not my favorite episode, but no, you don't like yeah vampires. Even so. with Benny, I don't like vampires. Oh well, still have Benny is definitely my favorite vampire. Well, yeah, <laughs> but I I don't have a problem with vampires. So. Right. But yeah, I really, really, really liked. Hunteri Hiroshi, or however you say it. That was a great one. I love cartoons, so that was just so much fun. So, of these two, I liked that one. Well, that's not fair. Why? Because one was about vampires, <laughs> one was about Looney Tunes. Well, I can say which one I liked. <laughs> I'm just saying. There's really no choice there. You're right. <laughs> But I really enjoyed that. But that one is like very high on my list of favorites. It is. It is really good. I got really excited when I saw it. I was like, holy shit. I forgot about this episode. <laughs> See, it's one of the ones I watched when I'm like, I want to watch Supernatural. Yeah. So, but yeah. I haven't. Okay. I'm sorry to admit this, but I haven't wanted to watch Supernatural in a while. So <laughs> neither have I. This was before we started doing the podcast and I would just want to put something on. That was one of the ones. That... Right. 
I would put on. I haven't finished 12, and I haven't watched any of 13. Yeah, I'm the same, too. God, we're horrible. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if I should finish 12 before we get to it so I could be doing notes on a second watch-through, or if I should, at halfway through 12, be like, this is all new to me. <laughs> I think you should watch it before you do notes on it. <laughs> Please watch it before you do notes on it. Because <laughs> that'll just be bad. You won't be able to enjoy it. Oh, well, yeah, no, I know that. If you're constantly pausing and right, yeah. writing and pausing and writing, yeah. You need to watch it first. One of these days we'll watch it. <laughs> Shannon and I were talking just before we started recording. <laughs> we love doing this. We absolutely love sitting down and talking. But we're yeah, both this kind of, part is great. Yes. <laughs> but both Taking of us are notes, kind of like, planning around. I can't wait like, till that part's done. <laughs> man, and just getting together to record these days is becoming like... Like a pain in the ass. Like, oh yeah, we're adults with lives. And we can't well, just It would also help if Shannon moved a little closer. Yes. Oh my god. That would, city, that would be a huge lifesaver. Yeah. Very, very helpful. It'll make it a lot easier. Hard. Right. That's for sure. Yeah. But anyways. You guys don't really want to hear about all that. No. Oh, you don't like doing this. Well, right. A lot. <laughs> we do. And we love all you guys. And we thank really you so much do. for listening. Yes. And if you haven't been there, please check out the website, thewaywardfans.com. You can see all of our Podcasts are on there, pictures and fun things like that. Um, you can contact us there. Send us an email. Tell us how much you love hearing us bitch about making a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, just go to the contact us link and it'll send us an email to, um, to the email. Or if you want to email us directly. <laughs> oh my God. I need to go. Or if you want to just email us and not have to deal with the website, our email address is waywardfans at gmail.com. We love to hear from you guys. We really do. And you can also follow us on Twitter at waywardfans underscore SPN. You'll get updates on all of our new episodes and just little funny things that we find on Twitter. You can also follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash waywardfans. And you'll also get episode updates there. And again, just fun little shit that we find online. So, yeah. Thanks for listening. Oh, 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 and go to iTunes. Oh, yeah, and rate and review because yes. that helps us out. Yes, please do. So everybody can hear about us how much we make you watch All right. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, guys. Assuming nobody gets sick at Earth. Right. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>